Hello and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. My name is Gabriel and today we have um, a group of people uh, in the studio uh, from Thailand, fresh off the plane from Thailand. Our Thailand team's here. And so we have Jordan. Jordan, can you say hi? Hello. And Trevor. Hello. And Rachel. Hey. And Andrew Rutten is back from his long sabbatical. Yes, but I was not in Thailand. He was but not. I'm excited to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And so, um, yeah, today, our, or as you might have realized, over the last few weeks, we've been telling stories of God's work um, locally and abroad. And today we're going to get to the abroad section and hear some stories from, uh, from Thailand. Um, and so just a brief overview of what happened. Jordan, you sent eight people, right, to yep, Thailand? There was the three of us, um, the leaders, and then we had okay. five college students that went with us. Perfect. And you were in Bangkok primarily. Yes. Which is a large, large city. Yeah, super big. Um, I think like the metro has about 8 million, but then surrounding is like even closer to 16 million people. Wow. So you're there, you took some college students and they all came back alive. No one died, no one got lost. And you were there for quite a while, like three weeks or so, which is... Yep, just over 20 days. Okay, that's that's awesome. And so like, as you guys were there, like, what was, what was it like? Like, what's Bangkok like? What are the people like? Um, the Thais are super welcoming. They actually really love Americans, which was shocking to me. Um, so they were open to spiritual conversations. Um, the food is good, but it does smell, um, quite <laughs> yes. frequently. <laughs> it smells bad. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not. Good. <laughs> it's super interesting because, like, being a country that is like super developed and like you're in the city and there's skyscrapers everywhere, it's super interesting to see how like other parts of the city or like their ways of life aren't very developed, and it even sometimes feels like third world at times in the midst of this huge city, which is super interesting. Hmm. That is super interesting, and like I imagine that there's also maybe a percentage of people who aren't even from like Thailand, or maybe just like a lot of people like come there, or or is it mostly like Thai people? Um, I think for the most part, it's definitely Thai. But at the same time, like when they see white people walking around in this, on the street, it's not like in some countries where everyone's going to be looking and yeah. staring. I think they're used to seeing people from around the world still coming right. for yeah. vacation, business, and whatnot. That's great. And like, um, I guess for the for Thailand, like, what is do they have like a faith system or like a religion that like dominates? Yeah. So prime. Predominantly in Thailand, the people are Buddhist, and except it's a very cultural religion to where um, it's more of just an identity thing where um, to be Thai is to be Buddhist. And so even if people don't practice anything, um, for the most part, uh, most people in the country are going to identify with Buddhism, which is more so a... um, kind of a like a worldview or it's not so much a spiritual thing where they don't have a deity per se but it's more so a set of principles to live by um, a lot of karma based things where you do good things to get good things in return Um, however there's a lot of variations as well like most religions so would you say so you mentioned that there's not a ton of people that maybe are um, like die hard devout buddhist but some of those principles do most of the people still believe in some of the karma principles or or things like that, even if they're not a devout religious Buddhist? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, from several conversations that we had, um, one in particular that I remember, um, we were asking a guy about his spiritual beliefs, and it had a lot to do with, um, he said, happy and sad. And there's like the contrast between happy and sad and what we do to chase happiness and to stay away from sadness. And um, I don't believe he was a very devout Buddhist, but yet he still kind of lived by those principles of um, do good, get good in return do mm. bad um bad things will happen to you so i'd say yeah for the most part um most of the population would live by that basic set of beliefs but even like i thought what was interesting is even um what was good for like a christian versus what was good for a buddhist they would just take anything that seemed to be good um so things mm. like love or um faith from the christian perspective they would say like oh that's a good thing i'll take a little bit of that mm. or like meditation and sacrifices from the buddhist faith oh i'll take a little bit mm-hmm. of that kind of thing yeah. mm. that's super interesting and i'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that later um, but so while you were down there, what was sort of like your, your sort of game plan? Like what, so, I mean, the stats are, there's eight of you guys and there's a city of 8 million people, 16 million. If you can't like the surrounding mm-hmm. suburbs, like what, like, were you planning on going down there to do, you know, it seems like daunting, right? Like, um, so yeah, walk me through like kind of what you guys were expecting and yeah. So, um, going into it, we kind of just said, um, two main things um, that we wanted to do. First, we just wanted to be faithful to God's calling. Um, Whether that was going up to a stranger and starting a conversation or stepping out um, and explicitly sharing the gospel, um, we prayed in advance for those convictions and for those um, promptings and just prayed that we would be bold and faithful to fulfill those. Um, And then also prayed a ton for um, divine appointments that God would place specific people in our paths that he wanted us to interact with, he wanted us to start friendships with. Um, And then from there, it was pretty organic and natural we just made friends we just went there with the mindset of like we want to get to know these people for who they are um while also sharing the good news of jesus and it made it way less daunting to say okay every day i have to share the gospel this many times and this many people need to accept it but more just saying like hey we want to come love these people and be faithful to the way that lord the lord convicts us to share and to Hmm. um just tell them about jesus yeah that's cool. And so I, um, I've heard a few stories, um, outside of this conversation. And one of them, you guys talked about how, um, like, I guess when you were getting prepared or whatever, there was like a sliding scale of like, um, people like becoming Christians from zero to like a hundred. Can one of you explain that for me real yeah. quick? Yeah, I can do that. Um, so essentially, in the orientation with the um, Envision team there, that's the, the group that we partnered with while we were there, um, one of the slides it has the scale that goes from 0 to 100. And on that scale, um, someone or all of us are somewhere on this scale, whether we're Christians, non-Christians, atheists, Buddhists, um, yeah. Um, So zero would be, you know, absolutely nothing about Jesus, know nothing about Christianity. You are um, completely unreached. And then a 100 um, and then beyond that would be glorified. And 
um, when we're with Jesus in heaven and we are with Jesus. And so Jesus is the end of the scale. The goal of the scale is to move up the scale closer to Jesus. And so 50 would be the point of conversion. And so our goal in going to Thailand is for um, to move anyone that we come in contact with closer um, up the scale. So whether that be from, uh, say they're at a 23, where they know a little bit about Jesus but not a lot, if we can move them up to from a 23 to a 25, that's a gospel win. They're closer to Jesus. And so with short-term missions, that's a big part of it is you have all these teams coming that are constantly playing their part and moving these people further along the scale. So mm-hmm. it takes the... Um, um, I guess the weight off of the individual team of saying, okay, we need to bring this person all the way from a zero to a 50 and see them become a Christian and baptized, um, where instead we're just working as God's tool and moving this person closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. But then also on the other side of the scale, above 50, for the Christians that are there helping to disciple them and encourage them and move them from a 75 to a 78 um, and still moving them closer to Jesus and for all of us on the team as well to move closer to Jesus. And so ultimately the goal of it all is for all of us to be more like Christ, closer to Christ, fall more in love with him and to see the ties, um, start to learn who Jesus is and hopefully just like really grasp the gospel and cross that, that 50 mark and become a Christian. Yeah. I love that story. And I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's a scale, so I'm not like a math guy, but I can get down with the scale. Like, that's pretty easy to read. Um, but the reason I love that is because um, I think in, like, a success-driven culture like ours, you know, it's like, did anyone become a Christian or not? And if not, then, you know, like, why did you go over there? Mm-hmm. But that, like, changes, like, the metric a little bit, like, literally changes the metric because um, no longer is it about, like, if anyone became a Christian, but if Jesus was, like, glorified, like, in you, like, right. was he on display for the people of Thailand and on display like in your own life as you became more like Christ. And I think that's like a really sort of paradigm shifting thing. Um, and it sort of helps us to recalibrate the way that we view missions as not territory to be won, but like um, a God to be like displayed for mm-hmm. the nations. And so that's super cool. So would you say for, for our church, is there wanting to hear stories or is there kind of having metrics for success? If we're saying, the only metric is not just, did anyone become a Christian? What would you say from short-term missions, what are kind of the metrics for success? Or what what should people be asking um, in the right kind of frame of mind, I guess, in the work that you guys did? Um, I think one area that I was encouraged from a friend um, that I hopefully portrayed to the team well was just that um, evangelism isn't about Um, converting someone right away but successful evangelism is stepping out in faith um, and just starting a spiritual conversation and so I think a lot of people um, especially over in Thailand just aren't thinking about what happens when you die or spiritual things and so if you can get them um, just thinking about those things I think that's a huge win Um, and so even just taking that back here to the states and using that um, in your daily life I think is huge. Mm And to think, too, about how, um, like, we as a team fell more in love with Jesus and grew in our relationship with Jesus is a great um, win in my books to say if God 
brought me all the way across the world um, for me to step out in faith, maybe for the first time to share um, the gospel. And from that, I was able to preach the gospel to myself. That's a win, you know? And so I think short-term missions serves um, a very unique and specific role in that, like for the person that's going, um, if it strengthens their relationship with Jesus and spurs them on. And we saw our team members, the first time explicitly sharing the gospel with someone who didn't know Jesus, that's a huge win mm. that they can bring back home and hopefully yeah. do here as well. So cool. So cool, guys. Well, so that's kind of like the setup in the background. But now let's like let's hear some stories. Like what was one of the things that um, – so you guys were doing, I think, all the relational evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like the yeah. – yeah. Coin term. The coin term. Like, what is that? Like, what is relational evangelism? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so relational evangelism, um, yeah, might be a new term for a lot of you. um, But essentially what it is is just going out, building relationships with people, and just becoming their friend, doing life with them, getting to know them on a personal level. And so instead of your stereotypical form of, of evangelism where you just go out, and find meet good, someone find say, a good street corner say hey i'm gonna tell you about <laughs> jesus um instead of doing that like really like building that relationship yeah. first and helping to bring down some of the walls that um they might culturally have up or personally based on their own experiences sure. um or whatever and then through that being able to weave the gospel into conversation in a, in a natural way in a way that they trust you and they know you they can see how the gospel is working in your own life and allowing Christ to, to speak through both your actions, the relationship and your words. Yeah. And I think of an example of, um, it was actually our second night there, I think. Um, and we were having a game night at this coffee shop and, um, it's on this like back street, but inside the coffee shop, we had the lights on the the walls are white and it's super bright inside. Um, and it went into the night. And so outside on the street, it was super dark. And there were a couple of ties that walked by, um, and saw what was going on inside. And, um, they just came in and joined. Um, and we ended up playing games with them all night for hours, playing different games, getting to know them. And then the end of the night one of the missionaries there robert said like hey like how did you guys hear about this where did you come from and they were like we literally were just walking on the street and we saw that it was super bright and it looked like you guys were like happy and having fun in here um and so we came inside to join you (laughs) and then through that he got to like give the analogy of like being light in darkness and um share with them how like we're here as christians because we want to love people and share this good news um but he didn't get to that conversation conversation until hours of playing games and like getting to know them, um, but was intentional and thinking, okay, how can I, um, weave the gospel into this? How can I weave in like why we're here and why we're having this game night? Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, and, um, it's one example of relational evangelism that kind of stuck out to me. And I think it's a really cool story. Um, so there was one day that we were in the, the, like the cafeteria area and Jordan challenged everybody, um, to go out and eat lunch with somebody that we didn't know. One of the Thai students there, there's a lot of the university students that ate here. And so, um, myself, Rachel and JC, another one of the girls on our team, we went out and we tried like two or three tables and everyone was either full, 
had people coming or just didn't want us to sit down. So we were getting really discouraged. And so we went up <laughs> to um, this one guy and asked him if we could sit by him. And he was like, sure. And then we sat down immediately. He stood up and said, oh, but I got to go. And walks away, just like scurries away. And so it's like, okay, we're done. We're just going to sit here by ourselves, whatever. <laughs> um, Ten minutes later, he comes back and... Um, I don't know if his friends just left or plans changed, but he sat down and just decided he wanted to practice English with us. You could tell he was really nervous. But so we just got to talking with him. And um, one of the things he said in that first conversation was, why are you guys so nice? And it was just so odd to him. And then from that, we were able to invite him into some of our activities that we were doing and into the Envision community. And the first thing that he came to, he invited a friend to come with him. So he came next time that we invited him they brought like two or three other friends and like over the course of the trip we had like this little group that all started from this one guy that we were talking mm-hmm. to coming and I think like throughout the course of the trip they all heard the gospel um, by the end of the trip the f- initial guy um, was basically saying that like he just saw something different in us than the other Americans that have come where they come to teach English and um, make money. But like we come, we don't expect anything in return. We just genuinely want to be their friends and to love them. And he saw that and he said like he wanted that and like he could see himself becoming a Christian and is super interested in learning more. Um, And then another girl that he had invited, um, she is now just really good friends with one of the interns there in Envision and and just like commenting on all of our Facebook posts and just so excited to be in community. And um, so it's just so fun. They know we're Christians. They know we're open about their faith. And yet um, they're hanging around with us yeah. and wanting to continue to be our friends and to know us and to learn more about Jesus, which is just so cool and so translatable to um, just life here in America and just getting to know people on an intimate level um, and being able to weave the gospel in the conversations and how it's able to impact people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Were you guys afraid at all in any of those times when you're trying to go and start a conversation with somebody? Were you fearful? Did you feel nervous at all? Or were you guys just bold and courageous like crazy? <laughs> just like the Bible says, do. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you asked that because I was actually pretty ticked off at Jordan that day when she that challenged all of us to, to Wait, go. Like fuming? Like mad? Like I was not fuming, okay. but it was just like, I just want to eat in peace. Come on, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to be intentional right now. Um, and so for sure, it's not natural for us to want to go up into awkward conversations, talking to people from a different culture with potential language barriers. Um, but in that, it's still cool to see God move in the midst of our nervousness or selfishness or whatever emotions or thoughts might be blocking us from going into those situations but those definitely came up a lot but god also shatters those most of the time Mm -hmm. as soon as you're talking to people for five minutes yeah and it's just such a it's like such a unique feeling to say okay i'm gonna die to myself in this moment where i just want to eat in peace or i don't really want to have to be intentional and when you are intentional and start that conversation or step out in faith um just the joy that comes from that um literally from the spirit just saying like well done like you've been faithful thank you you know um that feeling is way more um great than me just like having eat by myself and feeling good about that Mm. Very cool. That's awesome. And so I, I heard that um, one of the gospel tools you guys use just to start conversations were these little bracelets. 
Uh, Jordan, can you explain these little bracelets? Yeah, so they're colored bracelets. Um, they have, it goes green, black, red, white, and yellow, each one representing um, a piece of the gospel story. Um, and what I found super helpful was um, our team and myself, I would just wear my bracelet, um, and I did my best to learn the colors in Thai. So I could go to my Thai friend and say, look, I know Thai, and I would name the colors. Um, and then they thought that that was super cool that I <laughs> I was making an effort yeah. to get to know their language. Um, and then I would say, just ask them if I could share what my bracelet meant. And 10 times out of 10, I got a yes. Um, and so I would just explicitly share the gospel um, through these different colors, just how God created the world, but then man sinned. Jesus came to cover that sin, made us blameless. And because of that, um, because we're blameless through Jesus, we get to spend eternity in heaven with him. Um, and afterwards would ask my, my new friend if they um, understood, if they had any questions. Sometimes that led to good conversation, and sometimes it was just like a nod and a smile, which told me they had no idea what I had just said. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think what was really cool is then the next day or the next time I saw them, um, I got to ask them, like, hey, do you remember what the colors mean? Um, and I explicitly remember one of my friends um, saying the gospel back to me. And so whether she um, knew it to be true for her own life, um, not yet, I would say, but she knew the story and she didn't before. And so the fact that she could tell me who Jesus was and what he did um, and the implications of that is awesome. That's so cool. So cool. What other stories do you guys have that stood out to you? Um, yeah, one that was really exciting for me, um, we were on campus one day and we shared the gospel through Solarium, which is just a gospel tool. Um, and we were able to, um, connect with this girl and her name was, um, Tang Kwa, and she, um, was just really excited to meet Americans. And so she wanted to get lunch with us the next day. Um, we ended up doing that with her, um, and she ended up bringing her boyfriend, Quan. Um, and so through that, like those two came into the community there with Envision. Um, cool. But what was really awesome was that Quan um, was texting Jordan and was just really curious about Christianity, um, had some really good questions. And so um, that was just really encouraging to see like us stepping out in faith to have this conversation, but then God bringing along this other guy um, that was just super curious about him and ended up just... Um, loving the community and hanging out with everybody there. Mm -hmm. So cool. Um, another story that I'll share just because, um, it's crazy to see how God answers prayers. Um, is that one day um, we were heading to this coffee shop in the morning, um, and um, some of our team members had the chance to help lead worship at this church um, the, in, a, in a couple Sunday mornings. And um, so Trevor had a guitar, um, and we usually don't put anything in the trunks of taxis. We <laughs> just keep them um, like on our laps. But the guitar wouldn't fit on his lap, so we put it in the trunk and um, realized probably. 10 minutes after arriving at the coffee shop, ordering his coffee and sitting down that he had left the guitar, um, in the trunk of the taxi. Um, and so he stands up and bolts out and says like, okay, I got to go find this guitar. And we're all thinking to ourselves, like, 
how are you going to find this guitar? Like, it's in a taxi in Bangkok, Thailand. It's probably driven away. How in the world are you going to find it? But we all just stopped and prayed that God would somehow make this um, guitar show up. And after a while, Trevor wasn't back. And so I got up and walked out of the coffee shop, tried to go find him. And I just see him walking um, to the back door of the coffee shop with the guitar on his back. And Trevor, you can explain how that happened. Yeah. But. And so a city of 16 million people. Yes. Yep. And you've lost your guitar. It's worst traffic in the world in Bangkok. Literally, I'm pretty sure like statistically Statistic, it yeah. is yes and half the cars on the road are probably taxis and it's so true. and they all look basically the same and so and i go outside and i'm just like there's no way and so i go out to the street and i see a yellow and green taxi which i knew that was the color of ours but that's also most of the taxis are yellow and green <laughs> like i'm just gonna go up to it and hope that it is so i start walking to it and right as i start walking drives away it's like, shoot but i'm like I'm just going to bet that one's the one. And so I literally just start sprinting across, like sprinting down the street, cross the street when I wasn't supposed to. Probably not the best idea in Bangkok. My light wasn't green yet. Um, but I sprint and it's pro- probably go about a quarter mile up the road. And he ends up being stopped in front of this building. And I go up to it and knock on the window. It's like, and had no idea what the taxi driver looked like because I never actually look at the taxi drivers when I'm in the car. <laughs> um, but I'm just like, um, trunk, trunk, trunk. Had no idea what I was saying. So I go back, ta- like knock on the trunk and then come back up. And then he's like, oh, trunk, trunk, trunk. Yes, yes. And so ended up being in the trunk of that taxi. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. how in the world? And so by this time, I'm just soaking wet and sweat from sprinting in Bangkok in the middle of the morning. Um, but yeah, it was just like a cool answer to prayer. And I, it wasn't my guitar. It was somebody else's guitar as well. <laughs> and so I would have been super bummed. But I was just, yeah, just a cool story of um, God's providence and just getting that guitar back for us and just giving us a little bit of um a little bit of his common grace in that moment you got it back i got it back that's awesome that's great news uh are there any other stories that stick out to you guys if not um what what do you think like the future looks like for providence and for uh for thailand like you know like would you send people back would you go back should we start a church there? Like, you know, like what could God do in Thailand um, and how could he use our church? Um, I think it's super cool. And like the amount of connections that our church has with the missionaries in Thailand now with Keith and Sarah coming um, last fall and just meeting the people of our church. And a big part of what Keith does is church planning. Um, and then the like having sent teams now through the City Light family three different summers in a row, um, building relationships with the Envision, um, the Envision staff and um, the people that are involved in that ministry. I think that this is definitely something that our church will be able to continue um, to partner with. Um, whether God calls um, like Rachel, myself, and Jordan back, I don't know. Probably won't. Um, <laughs> Gabe says probably. All right. I guess so. Um, But I think for sure this isn't a partnership that's going to go away anytime soon. I think um, 
whether or not we have people that go there long term. I guess we have Cade there over the summer for three months, and then um, another student that's going for a full year next year. Um, we'll have those people going, which, um, praise God, that's amazing. Um, but I think the short-term side of this mission in Bangkok is just so um, transferable to life back here in America. I think for just college students, especially, um, it's such a, just a huge asset for us to be able to send students there and do ministry in that way there. And then to be able to bring that back here to America, both with Americans and international students here in America. And I know that's what Rachel and I are super excited about to be able to, um, just really go out and pursue internationals here in the States. We both have a big passion for that. And so um, this trip has definitely like sparked that desire even more in my heart. Um, yeah, do you guys have anything? I do think, I love what you said of how um, it is transferable back here. And um, given just like the setup of the trip and the length of the trip, it's a great first taste into missions. And so anyone who's interested um, or potentially feels like a calling or something into long-term missions, um, a trip like this um, is, I think, super great in helping to like discern that calling figure that out um just we saw a couple students get excited about missions from this trip um that could potentially lead to long-term missions which is amazing and if they had not gone on this trip who knows if they would have um, gotten that excitement so i think it's a continued partnership um definitely um, want to keep partnering with those guys over there, um, whether it's sending teams, but especially prayer, um, just praying for that team over there to follow up with these relationships and, um, these conversations that we've started because they're the ones on the ground now running after it. Um, and so we want to partner with them for years to come, I think. So if there's somebody listening that has never really thought about Thailand, doesn't really know anything about Bangkok, um, why would you guys say, from your experience in being there, why should Providence continue a relationship specifically with people in Bangkok? Why should we care about missions and, and preaching the gospel to people in Thailand? Yeah, I think like, um, so I'd never been to Asia. And so, um, and I really enjoyed the people. I think that was like my favorite part. And they are super open, like I'd said before, with um, just having any sort of spiritual conversation. Um, But I would encourage you to like, for sure, pray about going because these people are so hopeless. They literally think they have to do so many different things just to get merit. But then at the end of the day, they think that when they die, like there's nothing that happens and it's just darkness. Um, And so it's just a city filled with people that don't have hope um, and don't really have purpose and they're just striving. And so to be able to be that person that shares Jesus with them, that you have purpose while you're living here on earth, but that you have um, this hope for eternity um, and that you don't have to strive. I think that is just like um, probably the biggest thing that I would encourage you to think through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One way that my own heart was just encouraged for, um, the people of Thailand specifically with evangelism is initially I went into it thinking um, like these people are destined for hell. That's the reality. They don't have a relationship with Jesus and they don't have um, that blood covering their sins or that they don't have Jesus standing in their gap. And so felt that urge urgency to um, help save them from that um, 
from that reality. But as the trip went on, um, that mindset kind of shifted, although that is true and that should lead um, to us wanting to share Jesus with him. um, The reality is that our God deserves all the glory from all people. And so if I can um, share Jesus with someone and it then makes them do things in their life to glorify God, then I want to do that. I don't just want to save them from hell, but I want to give our God the glory that he deserves. Um, And so for the listener who's thinking, why does it matter um, to share the gospel to this person all the way across the world? I would say it matters because our God deserves all the glory and those people aren't giving him glory. And so we need to tell them about our God that deserves it. That's great. Well, I'm so excited for you guys to help plant a church in Bangkok. (laughs) Um, No, honestly though, thank you so much for sharing your stories. And I know that this, um, this might be a a launching pad for some of our people who don't know what it's like and want to hear more about it mm-hmm. and so thank you for sharing your stories i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having us and yes i was just gonna say thank you you're welcome <laughs> and so if anyone has uh any comments or questions or concerns uh feel free to email those to info at providence org. additionally um jordan and the whole team will be around here in a few weeks so pull them aside ask them any questions that you might have um about bangkok Yes, please do. Yeah. yeah. Great. Perfect. Do it. There it is. Um, so, yeah, let me pray for us. And, yeah, let me just thank God for the work that he's doing. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing uh, around the world, that all the tongues um, of, the, of the whole world will praise you, Lord, as Revelation says, every tribe and tongue. And that is no less true um, in Bangkok than anywhere else. And so, would you continue to receive more glory uh, from your people? And would all the people of the earth... Uh, be able to see your beauty and to worship Jesus. In your holy name, amen.